0: Welcome to Small Business, Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Ivan Weiss is a London-based headshot photographer who really understands networking, particularly industry-specific networking, which leads to collaboration rather than competition. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Ivan. Thanks for having me, Liz. Now, you're a headshot photographer, and I know that you grew up in a house where there were lots of cameras around. So tell me about what it was that your dad did.
1: Yeah, so um, my dad was a, a, a press and publicity photographer. Predominantly, that's how he made his living. Um, and so, you know, that was back in the days of analog photography. There was a dark room in the house, and that was later moved to a sort of almost purpose-built thing in the garden that looked like a shed from the outside but uh, contained a dark room Um, and that meant there was you know the the smell of photographic chemicals um, various bits of photography equipment always around the place and you know I remember the the ritual of my dad sitting down on a Sunday and rolling bulk film into the 35 millimeter cassettes ready to to shoot in the week Um, and yeah it was you know pictures up on the wall everything was a a 10 by 8 black and white that was the that was the thing um and it just seemed to me you know I just you know grew up with that and that was perfectly normal to me that that's that's what um that's what grown-ups did is they had cameras and took pictures and put them on the wall
0: and so at what age did you start to get into photography and what were the first things that you took pictures of
1: um, well, I, I remember at one point my dad had a, a, a job for the local council. There, there was a youth centre that had a dark room, which mm. was, when you think about it now, that was quite, uh, quite miraculous, yeah. really. I'm sure no such thing exists anymore. Um, and my dad got a job teaching at the youth centre in the evenings, photography to, I think it was intended for people slightly older than me. I was about seven at the time. Mm. Um, but, you know, not having childcare facilities or whatever, I went along with my dad in the evening and essentially he got paid to teach me photography. (laughs) Um, so that was where I was introduced to the, the magic of photography, you know, seeing, putting a a blank sheet of paper into a tray of liquid chemicals and and watching a, a picture develop on, on the surface. Um, and my dad gave me a really quite a good camera for you know for a kid to have um, and, and I would run around taking pictures of all kinds of things. Um, the first time I remember taking a picture sort of intentionally with a purpose I was when I was about I must have been 11 I was first year at secondary school and some of the teachers were trying to get a a school magazine off the ground mm. it was you know it was just done on the photocopy just you know A4 yeah. paper black and white photocopy thing um and they asked me because they knew I had a camera to take pictures of the school netball team playing some other school
0: yeah
1: um, so that was my first assignment I was a, a sports photographer apparently
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you didn't go on to pursue a career in photography straight away tell me what path your career took
1: yeah, so um, that that really was when I was 16 and I had to decide on my A-levels and the uh, the sixth form college that I was going to offered photography A-level and I mm. thought, well, that'll be easy because I already <laughs> know how to do it, so I'll get an A-level for free. Um, and I was dissuaded from doing that because I was fairly good academically and I realise now the the school wanted their league tables mm. to look good, and they wanted me to go on to university and do something academic. Um, so I took their advice, and that fell flat because I wasn't really interested in doing the academic things, even though I, you know I, it, it was reasonably easy for yeah. me. Um, but I just lost interest and dropped out. So I left school with one scraped pass in French Mm -hmm. A-level, and went off and did all kinds of different things, um, eventually finding myself in my mid-twenties in Italy teaching English, Mm. um, which Again, it just seemed like, okay. I can do a a course for a month and then go and teach anywhere in the world. Yeah, that sounds like a (laughs) that sounds like a good laugh. Um, So I went off and did that. And through being in Italy and being an English teacher, all of a sudden, I was meeting all kinds of people because a teacher has a certain status in society. An English teacher teaching adults meant that I was coming into contact with people in, in all kinds of different jobs and walks of life. Um, and you know, being introduced to them in a professional capacity gave me a, a, you know, a way to speak to them, I suppose. Mm. And um, so that led to a few jobs doing a bit of translation, a bit of proofreading, and then... I got into a a company that handled all the translations for film and television subtitling and dubbing. Oh, right. And that then got bought by a big multinational company based in Hollywood and became the subtitling division of of that company. Mm. And all of a sudden, I had a corporate career.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So not... Not something you planned at all?
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, very definitely no planning going on there at all. I mean, when, when I look back now, I, I do realise that I, I always had a sort of a sense of ambition as in I wanted to keep growing and keep doing new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had an expectation that, you know, year on year I would be, you know, getting promoted or moving into a different area and, and developing, but I didn't have any specific ambition as in I know what I want to do I know where my career is going um and yeah so I I just was able to go with the flow to a certain extent but with that kind of drive to to keep growing and keep improving
0: yeah so at what point did you decide to come back to photography
1: um that was a, a sort of a few things coming together at the same time, really. Um, so I'd been in that corporate job for maybe seven years at that point, uh, maybe a little longer. And I was sent over to India to, um, train hire and train, uh, a large new team that was going to be, you know, the company was doing the whole outsourcing thing and, and setting up a big production office in India. Um, and, So I was there for a year away from all of my normal sort of hobbies, friends, social life, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And I'd taken a camera with me just, you know, because I always did. I always Mm. had a little digital camera with me. Um, And one of the guys that I was working with there was into photography as as a hobby. And of course by that point it was all digital and everything you know there were resources online you could teach yourself you could go to YouTube and learn all kinds of things and he kind of got me into that so I started doing photography as a as an activity outside of work something to be creative something to just have something to do really um and then at the same time more or less um I would because I was living in Italy in Florence I had a lot of friends who were artists art historians people in you know of, of that nature mm-hmm. and there was uh, a friend who was looking at my photography and and she referred to it as my work she said I really mm-hmm. like your work and I'd never thought of it that way I thought well they're the pictures like you do work you're an artist this is your work you yeah. have a portfolio right? these are snapshots and it became apparent to me that yeah most people with a camera were taking pictures of themselves and a group of friends standing in front of a landmark and I was taking sort of abstract details of you know uh, a bit of ironwork on a gate yeah. or a flower floating in a bowl of water or something Mm -hmm. just stuff that was you know there was obviously some kind of creativity that was that was trying to come out and I hadn't realized it until those things came together um and and that was where it sort of started really I was like oh yeah that's yeah maybe maybe I am a photographer maybe that's what I should be doing and how Um,
0: how how easy did you find it to actually set this up as, as a proper business (laughs)
1: well I mean it it was easy to set up I mean as I just said okay I'm a photographer (laughs) I probably need a website so I got a website what was difficult was making the leap to doing that full time Um, so I held on to the day job for a very long time and kept photography as a sideline I took the decision very early that I wanted to 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 do it professionally as in you know i wasn't going to give it away i wanted to mm. get paid mm-hmm. um but i wasn't reliant on the money that was more just a way of being i don't know measuring whether what i was doing had any value you know yeah. will, will people pay me for this yeah. um but it didn't generate an income i mean it made a loss for, for years while it was a sideline but that was fine it was just you know a hobby that i occasionally got paid for mm-hmm. um but Technically, you know, it was a business. I was submitting a tax return, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it it wasn't until things kind of became unbearable, you know, with the um, the day job, that I finally decided to to give it a go as a, a full time thing.
0: And what was it that made you focus on headshots specifically?
1: um well that was a you know a process of narrowing things down I think a lot of photographers go through this you know at first you just you know the 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 joy of making pictures you know you're going to take pictures of anything and I tried all different things you know I'd done a bit of landscape photography a bit of wildlife photography a bit of street photography all of these things um and I started to realize that what I enjoyed most was lighting as in i enjoyed really rather than just documenting what was in front of me or finding a different angle on what was in front of me i wanted to create from scratch so that kind of put me into being a studio photographer Mm -hmm. um and somewhat late in life i think through my my a previous career I, I discovered that I actually quite like people I, I, I wasn't aware of that before I <laughs> and I thought, I thought I was I mean I am an introvert but I do like people mm. and um, that sort of seemed to answer all those questions it's like well yeah that there's the endless source of creativity each person that comes in is unique and different so each picture is going to be unique and yeah. different yeah even if I'm photographing them in the same environment with the same equipment, you know, the same focal length and the same light and, and, and all those kind of things. Um, so that seemed to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the way to go, really.
0: Why do you think it is that so many people hate having their photograph taken?
1: <laughs> um, well, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons. One, I think um, it, it's the same as, you know, listening to your voice back mm. on the tape, right? Which, you know, voiceover artists hopefully have, have gotten over that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it's that feeling that all of a sudden what you are doing, who you are being in that moment is being recorded. And, you know, therefore it has to be perfect. Yeah. Um, we're used to seeing ourselves in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, which already introduces a, another level of kind of um, distortion to it, because obviously a mirror image is is back to front. So yeah. when you see a photograph of yourself, it's not the face that you normally see in the yeah. mirror, it's the yeah. other way round. So it's slightly unfamiliar. All of your asymmetries that your brain automatically corrects for you. You know, mostly we'll, we'll look at our face in the mirror and sort of assume that it's symmetrical. Mm. And then when you see it flip the other way around, those asymmetries become really, you know, uh, exaggerated. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realise my, my nose went that far to the left <laughs> or whatever. Um, so that, that's, that's part of it. Um, that feeling of, you know, it, it forces you to confront, you know, it, it, are you happy with who you are? um and and yeah a picture freezes that moment and and potentially exists forever uh, and and that question comes up in that split second is you know is is this the me that i want to 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 leave yeah you know to posterity yeah um but yeah, we I'm, I'm sure most people don't experience it in you know in those terms but that's essentially what's going on yeah. in the in the brain, and yeah, it's subconscious. yeah,
0: it's a tough yeah, one. yeah. Mm. So, have you got any top tips for a successful headshot shoot with all that in mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, t- tips for for the person who's being photographed, mm. or tips for the photographer. yeah, for the
0: the person going to have their picture taken. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it seems you know quite banal to say, it, but yeah, just just let go. I mean, do do what you're told. Like, if you've mm. chosen a photographer, then trust the photographer so that the photographer can do their job think of it like you know going to the dentist you probably don't like going to the dentist and having your tooth drilled but if you're also going to get in the way of the dentist trying to drill your tooth and tell them how to do it and when to do it and what to do it's just going to make the process more drawn out longer (laughs) and, and more uncomfortable so really yeah just trust that you've chosen a photographer whose work you like and let them do their job is the you know that's the main advice but you know photographs can be deleted um you know if i'm i'm creating one picture of one person we might shoot 30 frames we might shoot 100 frames we might shoot 200 frames it really doesn't matter and we can work together to make sure that we're getting the the the, the image that we're both happy with you know that that I feel is an expression of the person that I see in front of me and that the person who's in front of me feels is an expression of who they are. Um, so no single picture needs to be perfect. We can delete all the ones we don't like. So yeah, that, that's
0: the beauty of fun. digital photography, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was true as well of analog photography. It was just more expensive. That's yes. all. Um, the, the real advantage with digital is you can see it straight away. So, yeah. Um, I make a point of the, having the camera always connected to a large monitor, so there's there's none of that um, doubt in the sitter's mind of you know what well, what's what's happening here. How does mm-hmm. this look to a you know the external observer? They can see the picture come up you know uh, within a second of of me pressing the shutter, yeah. um, and that means that we can you know quite quickly build that sort of instant feedback um loop and based on their reactions to the pictures that they're seeing I might you know change things make the lighting you know darker or lighter more moody whatever it is based on how I see their they're reacting to to the images that we're capturing
0: yeah so let's have a little chat about networking now then how, how do you use networking in your business
1: um I mean it, I think it's fundamental. So that there is, for, for me, I'd say there are two different kinds of networking. If I if I had to split them up, um, probably three really. If I split them up, so there's networking with other photographers, and that mm. that's not me looking for potential clients. That's me creating a network of people who do a similar job or have similar experiences to me. And some of that is about connecting with people who are, you know, maybe a few years ahead of me, maybe a few decades ahead of me in terms of their careers and being able to benefit from their experience. Mm. Some of it is connecting with people who are a few years or a few decades behind me and being able to give them the benefit of my Mm. experience. Um, uh, you know, one of, one of the biggest things that I found hit me when when I started to you know network with other photographers was I could look at people and say, well, that guy did this thing last year that I want to do. So it okay, so it is possible. It has mm-hmm. been done. This is not a, a pipe dream, and maybe I could shoot him an email and see see if we can have a quick call so I can ask him how he did it. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, and that that kind of you know that access to information i suppose is invaluable you of course you can you know go onto youtube or or, you know instagram or wherever and people are you know telling you how they did things and showing you the behind the scenes setups of how they do things but being able to actually interact with the person and and ask them questions i think is hugely hugely valuable Mm um and as i say that works both ways so when when i get contacted by photographers asking me questions about how i do things it forces me to to sort of think and consolidate my my knowledge yeah. like oh yeah oh yeah i do do that don't i yeah okay i wonder why all right now i now i have to come up with an answer cuz somebody's asking me um so there's that then there's uh, obviously there's networking with the intention of finding potential clients mm-hmm. Um, so there I'm talking to, you know, people as a portrait photographer, I don't really have a, a a specific niche of, you know, where, where clients come from. Everyone's, everyone's got a face and everybody pretty much needs a picture of it at some point. So it could be anyone. Um, and so that's just about going out and talking to people and telling them what I do. Um, the, the, the sort of tangential benefit of that is that, I tend to meet a lot of people who are then actually potentially useful to me in other ways. Just this morning um, I had a phone call with uh, somebody who approached me as a potential client. He's a web developer. I've got some stuff that needs to be on my website. (laughs) Like, Oh, look, instantly I've got a contact with somebody who's an expert in the thing that I need doing. Um, So all of that stuff, um, you know, it works as a, as a network and and there's this crossover between all of it you know tomorrow uh, Thursday I've got a a photographer who's hired me to take her pictures Mm. so she's coming to the studio as a client but I know her through a group of photographers who meet as um as colleagues yeah um so yeah that's the thing with a network right you never you never really know what it's going to throw up
0: absolutely yeah so what what kinds of event do you go to are they online or in person bit of a mixture.
1: All, all a mixture I mean o- over the last um couple of years obviously the in-person events were were almost non-existent um and certainly non-existent for the periods when we were in lockdowns mm-hmm. um but I think w- with within the photography community the the biggest group that I belong to the the headshot crew that's always been online uh, as it's main, you know, existing mainly online because it's got people in it from all over the world, yeah. um, and then usually once a year there's some kind of event where we will all meet up. Uh, I say all, I mean there's tens of thousands of yeah. people in there, but you know, several hundred people will get together for an event and meet up. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's there's also from that, you know, the the people who are in that same group who happen to be in the UK. We might have a sort of a side thing where people come up to, we've done several things, people come up to London for the day and we all hang out at my studio and take pictures of each other's and then go for a beer. Um, so those things are uh, sort of a mix of in-person and online. The networking with a view to to finding potential clients, personally, I find that's much better when it's in-person. Mm-hmm. but those groups I think have found through being forced to be online over the last couple of years that having that mixed approach is actually quite beneficial you know I'm I'm always busy and being able to spend an hour on a zoom call without having to leave the studio yeah. uh, is you know that's a huge benefit yeah. and then those are the people that you know okay when we go to the in-person event I already kind of know who they are. I've seen their face, know what they do. And then you get an opportunity to talk to them in person, maybe have a bit more of an in-depth discussion about something that was said during a, a group call on, on Zoom.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sounds to me like the, the industry related networking is is really important to you. Do you mm-hmm. find that within the photography community, people are sort of very giving and willing to share ideas and so on just that in some industries people don't like to network with other people that do the same thing as them
1: yeah well honestly i think that's um so we're talking about humans right so all of us have that mix of oh i don't want to give away my secrets (laughs) because these people are competitors and on the other hand Look, if we all just share everything, then we're all going to get better and it's yeah. going to be easier for all of us. So I, I've definitely found that it depends on how the networking group is set up. Um, and essentially, the the way that the, the group is run determines how people will behave within it. Um, if there are any photographers listening, they will know that online photography forums are Brutal. They can be like really, really horrible in terms of people, you know, tearing strips off mm-hmm. each other, saying that their work is no good or that they're idiots. They don't know anything, and you know, it's it's all very discouraging. Um, but there are some. I mean, I'll call them communities. I think that's that's probably a better word. There are some communities that, from the the way that they were set up. Um, they don't tolerate that behavior Mm -hmm. and it actually works amazingly. So within the headshot crew, that kind of, that kind of behavior is just stamped out immediately. You know, it happens that people come in and they're they're sort of used to that. You know, I've got to show that I'm the authority. So I have to tell everyone else that they're wrong. Um, And those people are, invited to retract their statement apologize or leave Mm -hmm. straight away and it works Uh, and because of that you know I the people that I know through headshot crew I've turned up you know on the other side of the world never having met somebody and stayed in their house overnight or shared a hotel room because we're going to an industry event together and you just feel like actually yeah these people are almost family. Um, and you have no worries about it. You don't feel like they're competitors. Um, and, and, you know, from a sort of business perspective that has massive payoffs as well. Yeah. I, I have photographer colleagues in LA, for example, if a client of mine says, can you recommend a photographer in LA? I'm not just pulling a name from a list. It's somebody who I know is going to treat my client the way that I want my, client treated and that's good for me and it's good for them because I get to refer work to them and it you know then it comes back the other way
0: yeah absolutely brilliant sounds like you're doing all the right things in terms of networking anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) I try I try so
0: just just finally then if people want to find out more about you and your business what's the best way for them to, to find you
1: um so if you Google Ivan Weiss dot London or Ivan Weiss and just the word London, um, you will find I've got my website, which is um, got a small portfolio. And that's where I take bookings if people are interested in hiring me. My social media platforms I'm on pretty much all of them apart from TikTok. I haven't started doing the TikTok dances yet, but we know it's coming, right? I can't avoid it. In- Instagram is my favorite one. And that's where I, I post a lot of content and LinkedIn as well. Again, that's Ivan Weiss London. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I've got a few bits and pieces uh, of things that I've created mostly for photographers. Um, but um, yeah, that, that all comes up if you just type into your search engine, Ivan Weiss London.
0: Lovely. Thank you very much for being my guest, Ivan. Thank you for having Thanks for listening to Small Business, Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.